from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. One of the things that I did not focus on as much as I should have was the financial piece, as Eric uh, spoke to. You know, just really diving in and understanding how the business is making money and, and how to scale. That's the good thing about it is that we had their contact information after um, they spoke to us all and we were able to follow up with them and, and continue to get insights. So that's been really helpful for us. And again, you know, when you're in business, you're just every day you're doing the things inside of the business without taking time to really put practices in place to understand the business's growth. I'm Sarah Fenske. Six local companies are gearing up to do big things. The companies and their founders just completed the University of Missouri-St. Louis's inaugural Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Accelerator. The accelerator provides coaching, mentoring, and even capital to startups begun by locals underrepresented in the entrepreneur scene. The goal is to give them the tools they need to do big things for themselves and for the region. The six companies were chosen from 430 applicants, and joining us today to share their stories are two of the entrepreneurs in this first-ever cohort. Eric Love is the co-founder of Assembly on Demand. Eric, welcome. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. And we're also joined today by Michelle Robinson. She's the owner and CEO of Demi Blue Natural Nails and Vegan-Friendly Nail Polish brand. Michelle, welcome. Thank you for having me. So we should start by noting neither of your businesses are brand new. Eric, at the time you were picked for the accelerator, you had five years under your belt in the furniture assembly business with your partner. What got you guys launching this business back in 2015? Yeah, so we had uh, extensive experience because we worked the local uh, furniture retail store uh, for a few years. Um, and in that time, I... Uh, Worked my way up to uh, interim ops manager at uh, that company's distribution center. So just had uh, a lot of background in furniture, uh, furniture assembly, uh, display, um, like visual display on the showroom floor, uh, things like that, shipping and receiving of furniture goods. So, um, you know, once once IKEA and we got wind that IKEA was moving into our region, we weren't afraid of, of furniture. We said, well, we're not afraid of the furniture. We know how IKEA is and how people can be afraid of it. And we knew that was a pain point for so many people. Um, so we said, well, let's leverage the launch of IKEA and uh, and start our uh, assembly service because we know there's a need. Hmm. So were you able to make good headway in the years from then until you joined <laughs> this accelerator? <laughs> well, Ironically, when we when we launched uh, at the same time as IKEA, we received no IKEA business for about two years. You're kidding? <laughs> no. So we were like, "Where's all the business?" Um, and at that time, we we really knew nothing about uh, the marketing aspect of things. Um, you know, we we had Facebook, but we we knew nothing about how to market online mm -hmm. um, to to g gain those customers. So. Um, 
before the accelerator, we were uh, making a little headway. Uh, we decided to go more commercial with our assembly. So we started doing fixture assemblies inside of retail locations. And as that was picking up, we were developing uh, great relationships with uh, commercial clients. Okay. So it took a couple years to find your way, but you felt like you were, you were on the road to finding it at the point when this opportunity came up. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. When Yeah, when that opportunity came up, we were well positioned um, and knew exactly where we wanted to go and where we wanted to be over the next three years. Hmm. So, Michelle, for you, you began launching your Demi Blue product lines in 2019. What prompted you to get into the natural nails and vegan friendly nail polish business? <laughs> yes, that's a great question. I, I actually transitioned um, out of healthcare and education um, into my own business after my mom's experience with cancer. Hmm. Um, when my mother was diagnosed um, with cancer, you know, I took a closer look at a lot of the cosmetics and products that, you know, she was using, um, be, trying to make sure that, you know, she used things that were healthier for her. Um, because, you know, my mother's that flamboyant woman who loved to express her personality through her look, and she no longer could use a lot of the products that were on the market. Um, and because I had that experience in healthcare, uh, I understood how those chemicals impacted the body. So I, it was easy for me to look into some of the products that were already out there and say, this is what I don't want my mom to be exposed to. Um, and then I just used that research um, to just develop my own. You know, why not provide a safer product for not only my mom, but other women who, you know, may have gone through cancer or who may be looking for a healthier alternative um, through my product. And, and for a cancer patient, uh, what kind of ingredients are we talking about or what is the problem with some of these other brands of, of nails or of polish? So many of our conventional products use well-known toxins like formaldehyde, hmm. toluene, DBP. These are these are chemicals that we've we've heard of, yet they continue to be used in many of our cosmetics. Um, and we know that these chemicals have been linked to cancers and developmental defects. Um, but, you know, th those are the common chemicals that have been used in many of our cosmetics. And again, they they are known to be linked to cancers. And so, you know, although active cancer patients can't use these products, once they're done with chemotherapy and radiations, um, they are looking to rebuild their life. You know, they're looking to rebuild their confidence and they're looking for healthier products. And so because we now offer nail polishes that do not contain these toxins that have been known to be linked to cancers, we feel like our products are a safer product for those clients as well as anyone who's seeking a healthier alternative. So you had this great idea filling a really important need there, um, and, and this business was starting to take off. What caught your eye about UMSL's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Accelerator to the point that you decided, you know what, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring? Absolutely. So what, what caught my eye was definitely the opportunity to to receive the $50,000, you know, non-dilutive grant to businesses that they focused on businesses who were, you know, underserved in the communities. And then not only did they provide funding, but access to 
you know, uh, educational materials, mentors and resources to help in areas that, you know, my business struggled in. Hmm. So, Eric, for you, it sounds like Michelle was on board to apply for this pretty fast. You actually applied, Eric, on the last day applications were open. (laughs) What took you so long to put your application in? Yeah, so uh, my partner, Darren, uh, Darren Williams and I, um, he, he's always researching, um, you know, what's going on uh, in the industry and how we can uh, leverage uh, our business. Um, and uh, he, he, he brought it to my attention. He said, hey, there's this accelerator. And we had we knew nothing about, you know, how to go and receive funding or anything like that. So we were skeptical. We said, well, maybe, you know, our business isn't um, unique enough or, you know, maybe we won't be chosen. Uh, but you know, towards that last week, he was like, you know what, let's apply and let's do it. And um, <laughs> and you did. He, we, we filled it out on the last day. And, you know, lo and behold, it, it, it worked um, in our favor. So uh, we were very grateful for it. So the odds were very much against both of you. There were 430 applicants. Only six businesses made it into this first cohort. Um, in order to be chosen as one of them, you had to do a virtual pitch. This is obviously uh, COVID was happening at this point. So you had to do this virtually in front of a dozen deciders making that ultimate choice there. Michelle, what was that like? It was it was very intense. <laughs> um, it's it's different when you're talking about your business, um, just you know, just to kind of you know educate your family and your friends. It's kind of different, right? Because you're just kind of speaking, you know, basically. But when you have to professionally put together a pitch um, that really exposes your business to people. Um, for investment purposes, it's a total different ball game, and it was it was definitely intense. Um, but you know, it was an opportunity to really own in on what I was lacking and what I needed help with, hmm. and really speak to that. <laughs> and did you did you feel coming out of that pitch, hey, I made it, I'm I'm totally in. I did not. <laughs> no. Eric, what about you? Did you feel like, man, I got this? <laughs> hey, when, when we finished our pitch, you know, we hugged and we said, hey, we did it. Now let's just see. And um, Darren, he had so much faith. He was like, you know what? I think we got it. I think we did it. And, you know, I was just believing like he believed and and they they – they chose us. Hmm. So you both got chosen for that. And and Eric, you recalled to our producer that one of the organizers from UMSOL gave you the impression, it's going to be fun, but it's not going to be games. What did those eight weeks look like for you? I mean, was this just like running a marathon? It was like running a marathon. It was a, it was a real boot camp. Um, you know, we had to get in. They had to pretty much dissect our business and ask us the questions that, you know, sometimes we, we know we should be asking, but we, we're kind of afraid to ask ourselves as, as small businesses or, or startups. Um, and it, like Michelle said, it kind of forced us in a position to really take a look at our business and, and um, see how, how disorganized we were hmm. um, and how we can actually uh, organize um, through, through just our learning um, from the organizers of the uh, cohort, as well as uh, all the people featured in the eight weeks. Eric, you, you alluded to there were sort of some hard questions that you were actively dodging. What's something that you guys just didn't really want to face and this forced you to face? 
you know, when when they talk about, well, what's what's your overall revenue? Um, and, you know, uh, when you look at that, you, you want to say, hey, you know, or, or what's the business? What do you think the business is worth um, in the long term? And how long do you think your business will sustain and you can sustain this business before you um, before you exit or sell or if you think you can sell? So, you know, if you, you got a company and you're like, well, I think it'll last forever. And, you know, they give you they, they dissect it and say, well, you're looking at about five years. Um, thankfully, that's not what they you know, that's not what either of uh, us in the cohort were dealing with or up against. But, you know, um, those were questions and the hard truths uh, that that came about um, throughout that. Hmm, Kind of a dose of realism. Michelle, did you have some moments too where you had to kind of confront some things head on that were easier just not to focus on? Absolutely. I think um, for me and my business, one of the things that I did not focus on as much as I should have was the financial piece as Eric uh, spoke to, you know, just really diving in and understanding how the business is making money and how to scale in the business. And so the cohort definitely afforded us an opportunity to really look into what our practices were and the things that we could implement to make sure that not only we understood how we were making money, um, but how to scale our business to the next level of growth. We're talking to Michelle Robinson. She's the owner and CEO of Demi Blue Natural Nails and Vegan-Friendly Nail Polish. We're also joined by Eric Love, the co-founder of Assembly on Demand. They are the founders of two of the six companies in the first-ever Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Accelerator cohort from the University of Missouri-St. Louis. There are a lot of big players in town who supported this. That includes Ameren, Edward Jones, Express Scripts, also a bunch of anonymous supporters that went into this. Eric, was there any second? that you would point to as this was the one that was particularly helpful uh yeah there was um there was someone who who uh, owned a service company uh it was hvac um, an hvac installation company um and uh um who was it uh lou brock jr i believe there's a there's a famous name um yeah i believe so i it's a famous uh baseball player's son. Um, I believe it was Lou Brock, but don't quote me on it. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, he had a he had an HVAC uh, installation company, and it really spoke to us because he's in the service industry. So he could tell us how um, he was going about uh, acquiring contracts uh, at the beginning and how he maintained those relationships and scaled um, to, to a large uh, commercial uh, level um, to where he's, he's really sought after uh, and his company's always working, uh, never on break. So, and that's what we were looking for: is someone in the service industry. You had people in, you know, consumer uh, goods and, and things like that come on. But he he really spoke to us and, and it showed us a lot and told us a lot. And we were able to call him back and kind of follow up with them after that. That's that's the good thing about it is that we had their contact information after um, they spoke to us all and we were able to follow up with them and, and continue to get insights. So that's been really helpful for us. Michelle, is there a session or a speaker that you would point to as having been particularly helpful? Absolutely. Um, I definitely would say Mitch Milstein, he is actually one of the UMSL um, facilitators and faculty members, and he um, his his specialty area is supply chain management. 
And that was a part of my business that was lacking. I did not have a hand on how I was projecting my inventories and how I was preparing for future retailers through my inventory. And so Mitch definitely helped me understand future projections and how to put in place systems to calculate my inventory and make sure that I have a, a fulfillment process. And again, you know, when you're in business, you're just every day you're doing the things inside of the business without taking time to really put practices in place to understand the business's growth. And Mitch really did a fantastic job. And to date, he still mentors me through the process to make sure that I am on target for the growth potential. Michelle, I find myself wondering, as you explain that, I can see that it's so easy to lose track of the big picture when you're just on the wheel running, running, running. And yet, even as you're taking on this extra uh, mentoring and, and all this time that you put into being in this accelerator program, you still had to run your business at the same time. Was it hard not to neglect uh, Demi Blue Nails as you're there learning about how to build the the long-term plan for the business? Um, honestly, it was it was difficult, um, but it definitely was something that I needed and something that I wanted to do to, to, to definitely, um, you know, grow in my business. But yes, the definitely the manicuring side suffered. Um, of course, COVID was a contributor of that as well. Um, but, you know, the bigger picture is understanding, you know, the business part and growing from there. Eric, I'm, I'm curious for you, it sounds like you've really um, found a good mentor, someone to help you with the problems that your business is, is growing. Um, th this entire cohort is for entrepreneurs who are underrepresented. And so you're meeting other people of color and people who are dealing with some of the same issues that you've been dealing with throughout your career. Was that helpful? Did you feel a sense of camaraderie with the other uh, business owners in your class? Absolutely. Um, it, it really, um, really motivated me uh, to see that there's so many, um, you know, black and brown and, and minority businesses in in the region who are who are actually uh, active and in business uh, and for profit. Uh, you know, <clears throat> but in, in the cohort, uh, we were really able to uh, mesh um, just because we, we do all come from uh, pretty similar backgrounds, and, and we we all can relate to uh, the struggle of how to get funding or finding funding, uh, you know, and, and being overlooked uh, at times when we know that we're well qualified for uh, the opportunity. So um, it was it was really good for us, um, and really good for myself and uh, my partner Darren. Michelle, was there a sense of hey, I, I'm not alone in this? Um, there's all these other people who are, are in this same battle, the same way that I'm in this battle. Absolutely, especially when we were uh, in these particular courses and we had some of the similar questions. Um, you know, we would all chime in and say, "Oh yeah, 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 that that that's what I was looking for as well." You know, we struggled in some of the same areas, and then. And there were areas that, you know, maybe we didn't know we were struggling in, but we heard feedback from a different uh, business and we were able to tap into um, some of that resource as well. So absolutely. So, Michelle, I, I want to bring this back to the $50,000 in equity-free capital investment. You said this is what convinced you that you needed to apply for this. And, and now you've mentioned so many other things you've gotten out of it. But that money was a powerful inducement. What are you going to do with that money now that you have done this eight weeks of learning? 
Absolutely. So I definitely have um, invested in in a lot of great resources to to grow my business. First of all, some new technology, right? I was, you know, I was working off of an old, you know, laptop and, you know, often had issues getting on Zoom calls. So I definitely invested in some new technology to where now I can hold meetings with some perspectives um, and not have those calls drop. Um, You know, I invested in, in some professional product packaging um, and some marketing materials and retail kits, things that were needed to have conversations with larger retailers um, and prepare my bi- my products for, you know, big, big box chain stores. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's that's great. That's huge. Eric, what about you? Where were you? Uh, where are you spending this fifty thousand dollars? Yeah, we're uh, we immediately went into um, systems. Uh, so, so getting better systems and systems that we can manage uh, all our workflow. And um, so we, we uh, spent, spent some of the money on integrations uh, because some of our customers <laughs> still use paper. Uh, mm-hmm. So we, you know, we have to uh, figure out how to integrate that and, and turn them into work orders for our guys to, uh, while they're out in the field. Um, so we, we worked on that um, and we're still working on that. We've, uh, Got a new website being uh, built, um, and we're, we also just uh, just acquired a warehouse. So uh, we just moved in. Day one was yesterday. Um, the guys love it. We're we're outfitting it with some racking and, and things like that. But yeah, that's exactly where we uh, wanted to be. Uh, that's where we we said we wanted to be uh, with with the funding. And that's exactly where we are. So, Eric, if someone is listening to this and they're kind of in the same boat that you were back months and months ago when you were not sure if you were going to apply for this, there's a new cohort that's going to be launching in August. What advice would you give somebody who's thinking about whether mm-hmm. or not to do this? Hey, if you be afraid, you know, because a lot of times we're afraid because we don't think we're good enough. But be afraid, but still do it. You know, because that's the only way to get over the fear. We're all going to be afraid uh, to to step out and really put our business on the table and lay everything out to, you know, believe in ourselves. Um, we, we sometimes we do business and we have something great, but we don't even believe in it. We're just doing it, you know, so believe in it. And even if you're afraid, just still do it and uh, have faith that it's going to work. But you, you got to be you got to be. Uh, fearless in a way, even through even through um, a little bit of a scare. So, you know, just go out and do it. Be motivated. Trust in yourself. Trust in the process. Trust in your growth. And Michelle, in just our final moments here, any advice you'd give to somebody um, on the fence? Um, I definitely would mirror everything that Eric said. He said it so eloquently. But definitely, if you see an opportunity um, to apply, definitely apply. Believe in in your product or believe in your business and just go for it because you never know who may be on the other end ready to support that business. So definitely apply. Michelle Robinson, owner and CEO of Demi Blue Natural Nails and Vegan Friendly Nail Polish Brand. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And Eric Love, co-founder of Assembly on Demand. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Have a good one. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.
Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.